0: In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew.
1: Hey, friends. This is In the Lab, and I'm Drew Doherty, not in the stadium, but with a stadium backdrop behind me with my good pal, John Harris. John, what's going on, my man?
0: What's going on? That that does look kind of nice behind you. I thought about doing a virtual background, too, but... I'm on my phone, so Lord only knows what's on my phone to put as my virtual background. So I'll just I'll just leave it where it is.
1: I bet you can make some things happen, but you and I are going to uh, talk on the, on the television show, Texans 360, a little bit later on this week. But the fans are getting a little bit of us today, or a lot of us today, a lot more of us today. And we're talking about Johnson & Johnson, the backfield. You and I have hit on it from time to time over the last few months after the Texans acquired David Johnson no Carlos Hyde. He just signed with the Seahawks. So it's going to be David Johnson, Duke Johnson, and we think there's a possibility Karan Higdon might make his way into a rotation, make get some carries next year. But I have a few questions for you about the Johnson and Johnson backfield. First one is, how many times and how often do you think per game we're going to see them in the backfield or on the field at the same time? I get that question so often, and it's a great question, on Dear Drew, yeah. and I say I think it's going to go up from what you've seen here in the past as far as having two running backs on the field at the same time. What's your idea? Where, where are you where do you think we're headed this way?
0: I think there's a decent chance. Now, some of it might be, and a lot of it might be, game plan related. Just based on defenses, they're seeing matchups that they want to dictate they may see something against a particular team where they're going to want to use that combination a little bit more than maybe even we think. But here's the thing. when Really, to run that kind of two-back set, whether you're running, you know, 20 personnel or 21 personnel, and you're using that set, we're using both of them, where you're not using Gilly with one of them using, uh, using Duke and David, the – the, the difference in that versus what the Texans have had before when they've been able to try that is the fact that David – well, both of them really are such good pass receivers. So you can put both in the backfield. You can motion one out, and you really don't lose a whole heck of a lot um, in, the, in the receiving game. So you can have three wide receivers on the field uh, let me do a five, five. Yeah, you can have three receivers on the field with those two backs. And you still – you can motion a back out, have two-by-two you know, two set, and you still have a running component back there. Um, and so you can kind of see what the defense wants to do when you put one guy in motion or you shift. And you can see how they want to play it. And if they want to take too much out of the box, then you can run the football with both of them. Uh, if they want to keep guys in the box – because they're still fearful of your run well then you can find your best one-on-one matchup and throw it to them it's just it becomes a numbers game really and that's what you do when you have two running backs like that is you kind of dictate the numbers the way you want and it's kind of I don't say easy nothing is really easy but it really does become about about counting because you can look at it and say okay well when we motion David out as a receiver they kept six in the box or they keep seven in the box so they keep seven within the box or you know they went with a linebacker with him they took a linebacker out of the box now you can dictate to all right well we'll just run duke on you know inside zone uh or some stuff we want to run with some power inside with duke just as much as you can run with david and vice versa so you have they're such good pass receivers when you did that last year with carlos and with duke the roles were pretty much locked in carlos was the runner duke was the receiver And so the only thing really is if you ran Carlos in motion or shifted him out of the backfield, you weren't going to get probably the same level of respect you'll get when you motion David Johnson out of the backfield. And so when Duke, sorry, when Carlos would go out of the backfield, you could send a safety with him um, because you could, you wanted to stay solid against, you know, a running box. If Duke was in the backfield with Carlos, Duke was going to go in motion. Well, you just treated him like a receiver. Yeah. And you still low you still kept the box pretty much as is to play against Carlos Hyde, knowing that Carlos is gonna run the ball. Well, if you got Duke and David back there. It's really kind of you can juggle a few different things. You don't have to have just one guy do the same thing every time. You can mix up and say, Okay, we're gonna do this with David, we're gonna do this with Duke. Um, and then you can mix things up. And I think that opens up pretty much everything. To be honest, Drew, I think it open up opens up a lot for players. Not named Duke Johnson and David Johnson because you have to spend so much time focused on. Well, how are we going to play these two guys? How are we going to play this formation? And Um, and so I like that
1: combination. And that what you just said that leads me into my second question, which is, how much do you think this combo affects the target distribution? Because over the last decade, justifiably so, DeAndre Hopkins has gotten a lion's share of the targets from the Texans' quarterbacks because he's He's one of the best receivers in the game. How much do you think that changes? Because I doubt we see Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks get that same amount of, of just force-feeding, uh, for lack of a better term, and it was okay to force-feed DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong yep. with that. But how much do you think the distribution rate target-wise changes now because of what we have in the backfield for the Texans?
0: Well, What I find interesting about it, Drew, is let's say that DeAndre was targeted ten times a game. It's 160 over the year, split up 160 targets and you go, whoa, that's a lot of targets that you got to spread out. And, but if you think about it like this, it's 160 targets, we get 10 per game. All right. Well, you're probably going to throw to Will Fuller two, three extra times. You're going to yep. throw obviously to Brandon cooks. He's going to now pick up a, uh, you know, a decent amount over what that particular position would be. Your tight ends are probably going to get another couple there. You do, we just talked about the two running backs. They're probably going to get another couple. And before you look up, you're like, man, that's about 12, 13 targets of the 10 that were going to DeAndre. There's 12 or 13, you know. So that's two or three on top of that that you're probably going to have. So I think you're going to be able to spread out those targets. And to me, what, it, what ends up happening is you know, you know this better than anybody. Mike Leach at Texas Tech, Washington State, now Mississippi State. You asked Mike about throwing the ball to this guy in this coverage, this. And Mike Leach would just say, Oh, he's throw it to the open guy. Well, that's kind of the situation. And I saw this tweet on on uh it was probably about a it was about two, three weeks ago. And it had to do with with uh Deshaun not having DeAndre on it was one of the one of these, you know, fantasy guys, and it was like Well, what does he do on third down? And I wanted to reply back. I didn't want but I still want to be snarky. I was like, he's going to throw it to the open guy. That's what he's going to do. He's going to throw it to the open guy. And what happens when you put Duke and David in the backfield together is you now increase the complexity for the defense as to who the open guy might end up being and how you're going to play that guy. Uh, and I think the the myriad talents of those running backs, just being able to be such good receivers in the slot, out wide, and being able to run zone game, gap scheme, all the things that they want to run in the run game, it puts a defense kind of back on their heels a little bit. You don't give them tendencies. Uh, when you had Duke and Carlos back there, there were tendencies there. But when you have those two back there, you don't. Uh, And that I think just opens up possibilities for so many different skill players, perimeter players, to be able to capitalize on that uh, and take advantage of what a defense doesn't know it wants to do. Like, okay, we're going to go into this game, we're going to take away Fuller. Okay, we'll take away Fuller. We've got these other options to go to. Okay, well, now we're going to focus on those backs. Okay, well, you focus on those backs and we'll run shifts and motions on you, and you're going to get screwed up in coverage. And we're, we're going to steal seven points from you because you blow up coverage like the Chiefs did in that playoff game uh, on, you know, f- what third and one, fourth and one to Kenny Stills because you're going to screw up a coverage because you're so locked in on trying to stop those two running backs. They're moving and doing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're like, we screwed that up. Yeah. So I do think that the target distribution can actually go up and be spread out even further with what they have in large part because of what, what complexities those two running backs provide for defenses.
1: Now, my third question about all of this is kind of – it's a two-pronged question. How does this backfield look with pass protection? Like, how, how do they perform in pass protection? And what does this backfield mean for the number of times we'll see Cullen Gillespie on the field? You just mentioned him a moment, moment ago. But last year, the, the few times that Gillespie was in on offense – nice things happened on offense. Not necessarily Gillespie getting the ball and getting a big game, but other plays happened that were pretty positive yardage plays for the Texans in 2019.
0: Yeah, you know, with with Gilly, I think the nice thing about it is the fact that because you do have these two backs and you don't want, you don't want to, you don't, first of all, you don't have a Christian McCaffrey situation and you don't want a Christian McCaffrey situation. What I mean by that is you know it's funny I was just talking to Mark yesterday on all access and we were talking about Christian McCaffrey in that game against us he had I think almost 40 touches well that's just not that's just not reasonable I mean the amount of time that it would take for somebody to recover from that week in and week out he's I mean you can't and considering the fact that David's had some injuries you know that you don't want him to be out there for 25 carries a game now You'd like to think that if you needed him to get it, he could. Duke could give you 25 carries um, if possible. Uh, but you don't want either one of them to do that. So you want to keep both of them fresh. So if you want to keep a two-back set and keep them fresh, well, you have the option of using Gilly. And one of, you know, I go back to that Buffalo playoff game. You know, Gilly is lined up, you know, op, you know, on the opposite side. He comes across, gets not only one block, but he gets two blocks as he goes to lead Deshaun Watson at the end on that first rushing touchdown. So there's some really good things that Gilly can do. The thing about it is what you worry about, I think for some teams is, okay, we're going to carry a fullback. What you worry about is, yeah, he's our fullback. He's pretty valuable, but yeah, he doesn't play special teams. He doesn't give us value anywhere else. Well, He does. does. Right. And that's, that's where you don't feel horrible in some sense about carrying a guy like Gilly um, and carrying a, fullback because he can be so valuable on special teams so if you have a particular package that you want to use with gilly a three or four play package that comes up at the right time then you can use him for you know seven to ten plays a game if needed at that quote-unquote fullback position with one of those two running backs alongside You can do that, but if there are games where it's just not going to happen, the way the defense is schemed up, what they're looking at just isn't going to happen, then Gilly plays special teams the whole game, and you still get value out of having him on a 46-man roster on Sunday, so I think it's really an advantage with how good he is on special teams with the position that he actually plays, which I don't even want to use the word fullback because he can do a little bit more than your average fullback, but because he's He's fast. He gets to some blocks that some bigger, bulkier fullbacks wouldn't. So you can do some different things with him. And I think as they utilize him maybe a little bit more than they did at the beginning of last year, maybe they kind of open up a few more things to be able to use him in the passing game. I mean he's got four or five speed. Well so
1: I was gonna say, you know, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you know this, Aggies know this. I don't know if the general Texans public knows this though. We saw him. In training camp practices last year, he's got hands. He yeah, can he catch has. the ball. I mean, yeah. he can actually do that. Now, I'm not saying you're gonna you're gonna make a, a DeAndre Hopkins out of him, obviously, but you if you find the right situation, he's gonna be able to do a little bit of damage.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I and I thought that last year. I knew as a rookie, it probably it'd probably be tough, just learning everything. And obviously, they're still I don't say tinkering with the offense, but they're sort of tinkering with the offense, trying to find the right pieces and the right things and. So I think Gilly's probably positioned to, to do some different things in the passing game. But when you see a, a fullback go in the game, I mean, when you see Gilly go in the game and you're, you know, just when we're watching the game, you see Gilly going in the game, and you go, oh, okay, okay, Gilly's in. Okay, that I means he's probably going to run the ball. And defenses do the same thing. But if you get to a point where, where he goes in the game and you leak him out to the flat and you hit him and linebacker's caught inside because he's expecting run, you pick up 15, 20 yards. He can turn that thing into a pretty big game because he turns the corner and gets upfield. He's got some juice.
1: Yeah.
0: One, of my, one of the plays I broke down, um, you know, Gilly's, you know, after he was drafted, I'd gotten some film from our film guys, played LSU his last year in 2018. He caught a pass on the flat. And Devin White, who ended up going number five in the draft, the Bucks, fly, ran 4-4 uh, in the, at the combine. Gilly caught a pass and turned up the field and ran away from Devin White. And it took Devin a good 15, 17 yards before he was able to run Gilly out of bounds. So Gilly's got, Gilly's got some juice that if they can find a way now he's obviously not option A, B or C, but if there are some things, if you want to wrinkle off of something that you do already with him in the run game, well, Hey, here's a wrinkle that you can use because Gilly's got some pass catching ability and some speed once he gets outside. So I think with the number of pieces puzzle pieces you can put together in different ways there's always that counter off of it and that's as a coach that's always what I wanted I wanted to show you some things that I liked but then always have a counter off of that whether it was a pass whether it was a different kind of run whether it was showing you a formation one way and then run the other whatever I wanted to ha- always have something that I could use and with gilly I think you're able to do that with duke and david in the backfield together I think there are multiple ways to do that. So make I like defenses what this think. running back group has.
1: Yeah. Make defenses think, make them because if they have to think a little bit more, they're going to hesitate a little bit more and that's going to Absolutely. open things up. All Absolutely. right. Uh, let's, instead of opening things up, let's close things down. And how are you doing COVID-19 wise, as far as working out, you've been running a bunch. Has it gone up? Has it gone down? Has it stayed the same? Cause you were running uh, a pretty good clip before this, but what's the deal? Yeah, I've
0: been, I've been staying pretty, I would say pretty, pretty good, Uh, pretty good clip, you know, miss a miss one every, you know, probably, I think probably once a week, there'll be one where it's just can't can't get out there. But, you know, it's starting to get a little steamier now. So um, I I don't know if anybody can see this. But on my hands, you can kind of see like right here. There's kind of this line that kind of goes right here, where I've got this nice, deep, dark tan here. I run with long sleeves. I don't like putting on sunscreen. And so I looked at my hands one day, you know, I was washing them, you know, doing the, you know, COVID-19, making sure I washed my hands. And I looked up, I was like, man, why are my hands like, oh, and my cutoff shirt, my long sleeve shirts go all the way to there. And so I've got this nice, not even a farmer's tan. I don't even know what you kind of tan you call that, but it's like my hand tan. And it's all due to the fact that I run with long sleeves. So, uh, yeah, hopefully I can get a run sometime today and try and stay in some kind of shape.
1: Look out George how Costanza, you, man. You keep talking about you? Hands. What have you been doing? Well, I was late to this podcast uh, by about a half hour just because I, s- I squeezed in a swim, got a mile in, and uh, the pool has opened back up recently, about two yeah. or three weeks ago, which is nice. So, you know, you wear your your face mask when you're getting ready to get in, you take it off, and then you've got plenty of space before you see anybody. Yeah. And uh, and then you're in a big vat of chlorinated water, so that's going to kind of kill a bunch of stuff. So, <laughs> thankfully, yeah. I've been able to swim. I did six of the, I swam six of seven days last week. Nice. And then, yeah. Uh, I got in yesterday to swim, and I got two laps in, and, and it thundered, so we all had to get out. But Ooh. I ran home. I ran a mile and a half home, so I was. Uh, well, there you go.
0: Yeah. There you go. That'll, getting, that'll definitely get you in shape. The thunder that's coming behind you. So I know yeah,
1: I'm, I'm getting back. I was. I got a little bit on the doughier side with uh, the time off, but uh, yeah. I'm coming back. I'm gonna get back to my fighting weight soon.
0: Oh, I've been eating like a champ, but I definitely. I've been. <laughs> I've been counteracting. If, if I would eat properly. With the running, I would—you probably wouldn't be able to see me. I'd be like this, this skinny. But no, I've been eating like a horse, or trying to. I think I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's COVID nineteen stress or what. But uh, yeah, I've—I've I've made up for for that. The eating, for sure. It's
1: all good. It's all good. All right. Well, hey, you and I are going to do some TV later in the week. So all of you out watching now or listening now, please watch ABC thirteen KTRK eleven o'clock Saturday night. Set your DVRs if you're not going to be able to make it asleep or partying hard or I don't know. I don't know. Please watch <laughs> us and have a good time. John, always good to talk with you, my friend. All right, brother. See you, man. Yeah.